So today we continue our study through the book of 1 John. John writing this letter. John begins today to really begin to hone in on the depth of what all's going on. So would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word? We're gonna just read a couple verses. I should have you seated in about 30 minutes. We should be good. All right, here we go. First John chapter five, verse one. Listen to what John says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, all right? So this is active, right? This is present tense. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, when they believe that, they have become a, what's that word? child, right? We are all God's creation, but at salvation, we become his child. That when we reach that point and we reach that moment where we say yes to Jesus, we become his child. And everyone who loves the father, they love his children too. Look at what he goes on to say. We know we love God's children if we love God and we obey his commandments, Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. We're gonna spend a little bit of time, but here's, here's the two verses we're really focusing in on today. Verse four, for every child of God defeats evil, this evil world, and we achieve this, what's that word? Through our faith. So basically what he's saying there and really the word he's using is the word Nike. Every child of God they become an overcomer in this world, right? They become somebody that takes what they're dealt and takes what they face and they overcome it, not because of anything they do. We achieve this victory through our, what's this? Faith. We don't achieve it because we were born in the right family or we went to the right church. We don't achieve it because we cheer for the right team. We achieve it through our faith. Look at what he says in verse five. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe that Jesus is the son of God. So here's what John says. If we were to capture the whole morning in a sentence, it's this. If you want to win, you better know Jesus. That's what he says. If you want to win it this life, if you want to get to the end of this life and go, I made all the right choices and I'm glad I did this, then you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It is the ultimate game plan, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. You guys can be seated. You know, um, I'm not, so I love football. I love high school football. I love college football. I, lo I love pro football. The, the problem is I, I love it, but I know enough about it to be dangerous, but not really to do a whole lot with it, right? I never played it, but I'm a fan of it. Right, So I'm a, I'm a high school football chaplain. A few years ago, I was at a camp speaking at an FCA camp, and there was a team there that the high school team that I help plays during the year. And during the week, and I'm out there every day just hanging out and watching, and one of the assistant coaches comes up to me and he goes, I know why you're here. I know what you're doing. I mean, it's like 100 degrees outside. It's in July. I'm like, why am I here and what am I doing? He said, you're here watching us getting all our stuff to take it back to your team. 
And I thought, you do not know me well at all, all right? And so, no, that's not why I'm here. And so the head coach comes over and he hears the conversation. This coach is a good friend of mine. He comes over and he hears the conversation. He goes, trust me, I'm not worried about Mike, all right? Because I don't know what you're doing and I don't know your game plan. But coaches all have a game plan. So here's what happens. They play on Friday night. We'll take a high school football team. They play on Friday night. As soon as that game's over, they watch the film of what happened they put it away, and then they begin to design the game plan for next Friday night. So they spent yesterday, and they spend all day today looking at film, designing a game plan. And then they get up on their whiteboards in their offices, and they begin to write. So it doesn't matter if I go into Van Spence at, at Paulding County High School or Caleb Carmine at, at uh, Kennesaw Mountain or Shane Quinn at North Cobb or Matt Dickman at Harrison or Gary Varner at Alatoona. All those coaches go here. If I go take them lunch this week and I walk in their office, they've got a game plan they hope is a winning game plan. They, they think they found the weaknesses they think they found tendencies and they've drawn up what they hope to be a winning game plan. Every college team yesterday drew up a game plan for their game. Some worked out well, others did not. Liberty University, 7-0 by the way, all right, their game plan worked out Worked out well. Get the other team to call timeout. All right, that was their game plan. Then we'll get to re-kick it and win the game. So everybody, you didn't watch the game. But anyway, so everybody draws up a game plan. Here's the problem. All the game plans have flaws. This game plan we're gonna talk about today doesn't have a flaw. This game plan that we're gonna talk about today that John laid out for us is a game plan that won 2,000 years ago. It's a game plan that wins today. And get this, it's a game plan that's gonna win long after you and I are gone. Ready? What's the game plan? Number one, glad you asked. Here we go. Number one, I trust God's son. The key to, the, to this game plan that John lays out for this early church is it begins with a relationship. Would you write that down? It begins with a relationship. I trust God's son. It's not a religion. It's not your moms or dads or your brothers or your aunts and uncles or your grandparents. It's yours. I find a spot in this life to trust God's son. Why do we do all that we do in the community, serving the community, working with teams, working with, why do we do all that? Because I want everybody within a shot of this church to have the opportunity to trust God's son. That's what the whole thing's about. We wanna point them back home. Look at what John said. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, they have become a child of God. Whether they're in Kennesaw and Ackworth, Georgia, or they're watching in Destin, Florida, or they're watching in California or Montana, we have a big group of people, it doesn't matter. Or they could be the, the group that uh, Steve Bell was our missions pastor for many years, and, and Steve would go to Honduras in Nicaragua, and they would float down the river. They would fly in, jump on a puddle jumper, fly an hour, get on boats, and go down the river like three hours before they would get out of the boats, and then they would set up in these villages. Nobody spoke the language, but they had the Jesus film, which had the story of Jesus in those people's language, and they would set up a big white sheet, and they would play the Jesus film, and they would watch people come to know Christ Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, they've become the Son of God. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what they knew in advance. 
But when that decision happens, we learn this. Faith in Jesus guarantees evil will not have the final word. Faith in Jesus guarantees evil will not have the final word. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. I believe that there is a God who has a best for all of your lives. That's what I believe. But I also believe scripture teaches that there is an evil one. He's known as the deceiver. He is known as the liar. He is known as Satan. He is known, we call him the evil one, the enemy. I believe he has a plan for your life too. And his plan is to thwart God's best for you. And here's where we live in this world. We live in the tension of God's best and what he has for us too. God's best is what we would always choose. The enemies is what we always want. And so we live in this battle. When we accept Christ, here's what it determines. It determines that evil will not have the final word. Look at what he says in verse four. For every child of God defeats evil in this world, and we achieve this victory through our, what is that? We, we achieve it through our faith. It's not what we do. It's what he did for us that we have bought into. But look at the second thing. Faith in Jesus is not wishful thinking or blind faith. Faith in Jesus isn't, so if you're new to all this and you're watching today, you're listening today, and you go, man, I, I had a friend invite me. I don't, I don't really understand all this stuff. I feel like this is all just sort of blind faith. So that was the belief then too. People said, well, I don't know if I can really take this to the bank. I don't know if I can really own all this stuff because I, I just feels a little out there. Listen to what John says. This is really, this is really good stuff. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water and by the shedding of his blood on the cross. So let's, let's pause there. So we're about to celebrate Christmas. Christmas was his entry into this world. It's Emmanuel, God with us. God put skin on and came. We know a little bit about Jesus' childhood. We know at the age of 12, he got away from his parents and confounded the, the rabbis in the synagogue with what he knew. But between 12 and 30, you know nothing. I mean, there's some historically uh, things that are out there that you're like, well, I think we know that his dad was a carpenter. We know that he plied the family trade. We know where he grew up, but that's about all we know. But at the age of 30, his time of ministry had come, and we know that his forerunner, John the Baptist, baptized him in, John the Baptizer baptized him in the Jordan River. And we know that when he went under and he came up, we know that God the Father spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit descended on Jesus. Everybody there knew it. Everybody there saw it. Everybody there heard it. But we also know that when he was on the cross, he shed his blood he died, and we know that at the end of that time on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. Well, see, back during that time, the way that it worked is you had God in here, and there was this big curtain that stood in between man and God, and only one priest was allowed to go in. So you didn't, you didn't if you went to Kroger, Publix, McDonald's drive through Arby's after church, Zaxby's, you didn't go in the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could go in there. And here's how worried they were about that. They would tie a uh, chain around his leg, 
So if he died because of his sin while he was in there, they weren't gonna go in. They didn't call the EMTs to go get him. They just drag you out. They just drag the old priest out of the thing. Well, do you know that that day that Jesus died on the cross, that veil that had stood between man and God for all those years of Judaism was ripped from the top to the bottom, thereby signifying all people now have access to God. So what John was saying to this church was, he has served, look, go back to the verse there. Jesus Christ was revealed by God's son, as God's son, by his baptism in the water, by shedding his blood on the cross. And look at what he goes on to say. Not by water only, but by water and blood and the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. If you and I were to go to court, you would want three witnesses, basically, is what he was saying. God has served as a witness that he is who he said he is. We're not walking in blind faith. We're not just hoping this is true. We're not just guessing this is true. Look at number two. Not only do we trust in Jesus as his son, we love God's children. We love his children. 1 John 5, 1, everyone who loves the father loves his children too. So I, last night, Ann had to run out and do some stuff and, and none of my teams were playing. I had the game on, but I really wasn't paying attention to it. So I looked for something in there that I thought could help us. I was looking for a parenthesis in there, right? I was looking for a little caveat in there that said, well, except when or but then, I couldn't find it. When God was speaking through John to this early church, he said, if you're gonna love me, you're gonna love people. Look at the little point under there. If I wanna love God more, I should love his people more. If, I, if I'm gonna love God more, I will love his people more. It's not up for debate. Jesus, in his final prayer while he was on earth, prayed for unity in the church. Okay, let's call time out real quick. Yes or no? Do we live in a divided country? Yes or no? Yes. And we're like, Mike, it's awful. When my kids were at home and we'd go out on Sunday lunch, we had a divided car about where to eat. All right, it's just division happens, right? Division happens. What Jesus said is my church should never have division. It should have unity because people love me and people love each other. There is no escape clause. There is no unless then. Second part of that is if I wanna be like Jesus, I will love those who don't love me. If I wanna be like Jesus, I'm going to love those that don't love me. So let's be honest. Full, full exposure here for all of us. How many of you say there's at least one person in this world that I know doesn't like me. In fact, they, 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 they probably go past, they just really don't like me. We'll leave it there. How many of you know that there's somebody out there like that for you? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, I'll tell you why they don't like you, all right? And so you're, <laughs> you're an egotistical maniac. But anyways, so we all have those people, right? We have people out there. I know this shocks you. I know this is shocking, but not everybody has an eight by 10 of me on their desk, right? They don't. There's a, there are people I know, I know this is surprising, right? There are people that have left North Star and they, don't, they didn't say nice things about me. Now, this is hard because I have this urgent need to be liked by everyone. And when I find out somebody doesn't like me, it hurts my feelings. 
But then when it goes past to hurt my feelings, I always wanna explain myself to them, right? I wanna, I wanna win them back over. Well, you know what I've learned? It makes them not like me more, all right? And so, and you know what happens to me? And this is just my story. What happens to me is, boy, it'll settle down in my heart, and I won't like them. You ever heard something good's happened for somebody that made you mad? You're like, you know, God, what they did to me? You know what they said about me? And look at the good that's going on in their life. So I began something years ago. If I'm at a ball field, if I'm in the grocery store, if I see somebody who's left mad, it's happened, 23 years, there's been like two, <laughs> times 50. But anyway, so when I see them, I have a, I have a rule. And the rule is I will always go speak to them. Now, why do I do that? Do I do that for them? No, they hate it. Why do I do it? I do it for me. Because I can find myself hating them. And not even knowing the story of why they were mad at me. Ladies and gentlemen, when we were called by God and we accepted that, I'm gonna accept him as his son. I have a job now, and everybody look at me. Here's your job. It's to love people like Jesus loved them. Yes or no question. Did Jesus get done wrong by people? Yes or no? Did he have those that said that they loved him betray him? Yes or no? And what were the words Jesus used on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So if I am gonna follow him, I gotta love like he loves. Mike, that's not fair. I, I get it. Is it really that big deal to God? So, so let's think about this. God left two, two things for us to observe in the church. He left baptism and he left the Lord's Supper. Those were the two sacraments that he left. The Lord's Supper is remembering that Jesus broke his body and shed his blood for us, and that he's coming again. Pretty big deal. Last supper he ate with his disciples. Jesus said, till I come back, I want you to remember what I did. But here's what the gospels tell us. If you have something wrong with somebody, don't you dare take that till you go make it right with them. Then come back and take it. That's how big a deal it was. If we've ever lived in a time that needed people like you and like me that showed the love of Jesus, it's now. Point number three today, ready? Obey God's commands. Obey God's commands. <clears throat> Look at what it says. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So we, we think about this and we go, well, okay, well, I'll keep, I'll keep God's commandments because I wanna make God happy. All right, let's, let's do a little theology here. Here's the, here's the lesson for us today. How many of y'all can think of a day in your life that you were at your worst? Like people that like you, if they had seen you in that moment, would not have liked you. Not if you can think of a day like that. Do you know that he loved you as much that day as he loves you today, sitting in church? 
We don't obey his commands to get his love for us. We obey his commands, not for him to love us more, but for us to love him more. Does that make sense to everybody? That's why it's not burdensome. See, it's burdensome if I think it's a rule. Can I tell you this? If we today began to live out God's principles in our lives, we would never look back and go, I wish I hadn't done that. So I'll take the principle of tithing for me and my family. I began to give when I started in high school, but when I got my first job, that was just something, I don't regret that money, but I sure regret a lot of other money I spent. But when I do it according to what he has, it's never burdensome. In fact, it's a delight because it doesn't cause him to love me more. It causes me to love him more. But look at the second part of that. Obeying God leads us to more freedom, not less. Can I tell you about what God has for you? It's exactly what you would want if you could see it all played out. So here's a fact of the morning. I'm getting old, all right? That's a fact of the morning. How do you know that, Mike? Why do you feel that way? Well, I was ordering something on Amazon the other day and I was trying to find the year I was born in the credit card and I had to keep scrolling, right? That's when you know you're getting older. Like, I don't even know if that number's in there. And I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's like, dad gum. Then there was a new movie. We hadn't seen a movie in forever. There's a new movie coming out and it's got a guy that Ann used to think was cute and a lady that I used to think was pretty and we're like, oh, they're in a movie together. They're grandparents in the movie. That's when you know, all right, we're getting old. I'm getting old. So I've met a lot of people in ministry, a lot of people. I've never met somebody that regretted following God's best for their lives. I've never had somebody at the end of the journey sit down and go, Mike, I did the best I could to live by this book and I hated every minute of it. Never met him. Mike, I tried to parent by what God told me and that was a waste of my time. I'd met him. Mike, I tried to give the way that God told me. I, I really wished I hadn't, hadn't met him. But you know what I have met? People that chose not to, that did regret it. Mike, if I could only go back and start over, Mike, if I could only do it another way. Here's my challenge for you today. God's got a game plan that is a winning game plan. Trust it. Follow it. And I promise you, you'll be glad that you did. Would you pray with me? Father, I don't know... Um, I see what people walk through in this life. I don't know how you do it without you. I really don't. Father, we live in a world, we got lots of options and lots of choices. But God, there is no better choice than knowing you, trusting you, walking in you. God, when everything else is gone, we look back at those things and we go, that's what matters. Father, I pray that everyone sitting this morning, whether it's in this room or watching online and the sound of my voice, 
knows you. But God, if they do, I pray they live in you and they become the people you created them to be. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for giving us the victory if we choose to take it. It's in your name that I pray.